0: My Govanen, Melunin. Hello, friends, and welcome to Speak Friend and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to help explain some things the movies didn't make totally clear. I'm Audrey, king of dorks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when
1: Audrey lets me write her intros,
0: <laughs> and I don't read it ahead of time. But it's true.
1: I am the king of dorks. Welcome, <laughs> and <my> I'm. <laughs> And I'm Leah, a level 900 nerd wizard. Uh, Audrey is our movie expert, and I have read all of the books, including those of questionable canonicity. So last time we talked about the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring up until the end of Bilbo's birthday party. This
0: is the 11th birthday
1: party. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what it sounded like. I was worried I was going to have to get you medical attention. (laughs) I need it still. So why don't we jump right in? And, Oj, what's your first question? So, first question is
0: uh, the point at which... So, he puts on the ring, Mm -hmm. freaks everybody the fuck out, (gasps) uh, and leaves a legend behind. People talk about it for how long again? A year and a day. A year and a day. Uh, But he doesn't know the consequences
1: (laughs) of his stupid little prank. That's Bilbo's life. (laughs) Consequences what consequences? He's like a white male senator. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So he uh, makes his way back to his little hobbit hole, um, where he uh, sees Gandalf Mm -hmm. in his home, ominously waiting for him, as he often does, just (laughs) ominously waits for people to
1: show up places. sitting in the dark, (laughs) facing away. So
0: my first question this uh, segment is because he just like casually puts on this ring at the party. Every time Frodo puts on the ring, he has like a fucking panic attack meltdown <laughs> and sees terrible hallucinations mm-hmm. does this not happen to bilbo or is he just like so used to seeing the eye of sauron he just doesn't give a shit anymore
1: before i even answer that i want to talk about when you got your wisdom teeth removed and you got <laughs> twilight sleep and oh what God. did you describe it as well um first i i said i said
0: everything's blue, (laughs) because everything looked like a strange tint of blue, but also it looked like when Frodo puts on the ring and everything is really whooshy, (laughs) like especially in a weather top. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I I think that I actually said that to the people who were operating on me at the time. I was like, it looks like Lord of the Rings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean... Frodo and Bilbo aren't the only ones who know what it looks like when they put the ring on. Audrey, Audrey has some real-world experience there. I mean, everything just looked whooshy, which I could deal with.
0: If that's what Bilbo saw when he put on the ring, then I could understand him not having like a panic attack,
1: like Frodo does. Mm-hmm.
0: I did not. I did not see the Eye of Sauron. Thank goodness. <laughs>
1: <Phew>. <laughs> that is one of the risks they warn you about when you go and get Twilight sleep. Yeah, <laughs> that's just one of the risks of anesthesia. You may see the Eye of the Dark Lord. <laughs> Uh, So there's no clear information. Like, nowhere does it say Bilbo never had creepy visions when he put the ring on, but I think it's fair to assume that he didn't because the filmmakers never show that to us, and it's Mm -hmm. never said in the book.
0: Yeah, so do you think it's supposed to be something that's like Sauron's presence wasn't
1: yet hanging about? Yes, that wasn't 100% it. There's a couple of reasons. A couple of theories that your old friend Leah has... Uh, Bilbo and Frodo aren't uh, affected by the ring to the same extent that Gollum was because they're both generally good-natured uh, as compared to Gollum and because they both got the ring through peaceful means, whereas Smeagol got it by lying and killing his friend. His best friend. Oopsie. Uh, <laughs> uh, however... In, in that scene in the book when Bilbo and Gandalf are saying their goodbyes, Bilbo says to him, It has been so growing on my mind lately. Sometimes I have felt it was like an eye looking at me, and I am always wanting to put it on and disappear, don't you know, or wondering if it is safe and pulling it out to make sure. I tried locking it up, but I found I couldn't rest without it in my pocket. I don't know why.
0: So that was not like, an urge that he had until, like,
1: recently. 100% correct. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Before it was just, like, any other ring, basically,
1: mm-hmm. that just happened to turn you invisible. And yeah, like, just whatever. one of those invisibility rings. Yeah, <laughs> I have one. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. In the same year that Bilbo goes on his quest to Erebor, the White Council, which is Gandalf, Sauron, Galadriel, and Elrond, they drive Sauron, who is disguised as a necromancer, out of a stronghold called Dol Guldur in the forest of Mirkwood. Like, he's the problem with Mirkwood. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait, who was Sauron? Sauron, yes. Really? hmm Like,
0: in The Hobbit, when, like, there's all those spiders and it's
1: super scary? Uh... That has a complicated answer, because okay. yes, unlike in-universe, that is, Sauron was the darkness that had turned the Greenwood into Mirkwood. Mm. Um, at the time that Tolkien wrote it, uh, literally, like, the necromancer that Gandalf had to deal with was just a way to get Gandalf out of the party, because oh. Bilbo needed to become more heroic, so he and he couldn't, you know, it's why the mentor figure always dies in fantasy
0: novels. Yeah, see <laughs> grow into your full potential
1: yeah so awesome. at the, when it was written the Sauron was not the necromancer but when Tolkien was like marrying the rest of his legendarium getting the Hobbit back into it mm-hmm. uh, Sauron he decided was disguised as the necromancer oh, convenient
0: <clears throat> also I don't think that I mentioned this on the podcast but I did read the Hobbit <gasps>
1: audrey's yeah. read a book i have Audrey read, read a-, a book
0: no stop the presses i have read a fucking book it was a child's book i read it when i was in sixth grade i think i i think i've only ever really read a book because i've had to write a book report or something um but i i got to choose i chose the hobbit nice but i had to write a book report but i had a good time doing it
1: yeah the Hobbit's a very fun book. I also read The Hobbit for a book report when I was in fifth or sixth grade, and I misunderstood it so much.
0: Oh right, you thought that that I... Gandalf was the like uh, the bad guy. I thought he was the bad guy <laughs> because he made Bilbo leave his house. <laughs> nothing worse you can do to somebody. Do not come to my house and make me go on a fucking adventure. It says
1: so much about me as a person. <laughs> like he made Bilbo leave his house. What a bastard. <laughs> God. So, anyway, Sauron was somewhat present in The Hobbit. He was on the sidelines being the antagonist of a side adventure that Gandalf was doing. Gotcha. So Sauron's power was diminished by the attack that the White Council did on him, and he fled back to Mordor to regroup and regain his strength. So Bilbo's time with the ring in the ensuing 50, 60 years was pretty peaceful for him because Sauron was very weak.
0: What a nice life. Yeah. You just get to, like, chill out the rest of your, like,
1: kind of immortality. A little bit. Just with this ring. Yeah. Bilbo leads a very charmed existence, Mm -hmm. that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, Frodo gets the worst deal with the Ring, uh, because Sauron is going stronger, not yet in a physical form, as we talked about before, but his spirit and his will to dominate Middle-earth, the Ring's power also grows stronger the closer it is physically to Sauron. So that's why Frodo gets moldier and moldier. (laughs) Nasty, disgusting neck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and more and more, like, depressed as the journey goes on. And, like... Not just depressed, but like very agitated. Yeah, agitated is a very good word for it. Yeah, he's turning his hopelessness outward on poor, poor Sam. Poor, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> poor Doty, dutiful. That's for me Sam. to cry about later on in the podcast. <laughs> I'm always ready to cry about Sam Gamgee.
0: <laughs> so the next, um, the next point. I think this is one of the many times where Gandalf storms off and goes to Minas Tirith to research something. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, oh shit. Uh, Okay, so yeah, this is when the. I guess he convinces Bilbo to give up the ring because Bilbo wouldn't have done that on his own accord.
1: Well, he did do it of his own accord. But it was in his pocket, and now as he was about to leave, Gandalf's like, Bilbo,
0: the <laughs> ring is, is still in your, your pocket.
1: pocket. <laughs> uh, yes, you are totally right. I just want to make... Um, Bilbo's the only person in the history of the ring who gave it up willingly, and I want to give oh. him that credit. Oh, yeah,
0: even Frodo didn't. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Something that was just a really cool effect in The movie when he drops the ring is the literal weight of the ring. Oh, such a good effect. (laughs) Yeah, to like communicate like the metaphorical weight. So when the ring slips from his hand, first of all, there's like kind of it looks very heavy because it doesn't just kind of like fall out of his hand, it like slowly slides off of his hand. Like it's sticking. Yeah, and then it like hits the ground and doesn't like. Bounce up from like momentum, it just drops and it falls flat, and it's a very, and there's cool. that big bong
1: mm-hmm. sound.
0: Oh, that's yeah. so good! So, that is just a really, um, really awesome artistic effect that uh, I would assume was mm-hmm. Peter Jackson or somebody close to him,
1: <laughs> decision that they made. Mm-hmm.
0: So then he gives up the ring, um, and then Gandalf goes to Minas Tirith on a hunt for some knowledge. His favorite place. <laughs> and- the libraries in Minas Tirith. Yeah. And then he was um, reading the text from Isildur Times. Yes. When Isildur uh, had the ring. Um, I guess it's like his diary that uh-huh. he's reading. That's his journal. he says, um, journal, right? Because it's for men. Men keep journals, dumb girls keep diaries. Yep.
1: Uh, that's what that's the subtitle to Lord of the Rings
0: (laughs) so as he's reading um, Isildur's like monologue he says it is precious to me and obviously precious is something that um, Gollum says about the ring repeatedly repeatedly (laughs) I think possibly there's a point at which Bilbo says it
1: Yes. I don't remember exactly. Um, in, in well, at the same time, it, it happens in that same conversation where Bilbo and Gandalf are saying their goodbye. Yeah. It's like, it's mine. It came to me.
0: Yeah. My oh. own. My Oh, yeah. Precious. And then that's when, yes. that's when Gandalf's like, precious.
1: <laughs> it's, it's been called that before. It's been called that before, but not by you.
0: Um, <laughs> this whole podcast is just us just doing bad impressions of okay. Gandalf, specifically. <laughs> um, but... Then there is a point uh, later on as Frodo approaches, uh, gets closer to Mordor when he starts calling it precious. Mm. So there's, is there something about this word, like does Sauron call it his precious? Is there a history to that that is like embedded into the ring? That's
1: a very good question. Uh, it's unclear. There's no concrete information on if Sauron ever called it precious. Mm-hmm. Um, but my theory is that since the Ring is a part of Sauron, it's referring to itself as precious because he's oh, so arrogant.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I like that.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so precious. <laughs> I'm precious. God, that's so upsetting. <laughs> in that, um, in that journal. Uh, Isildur writes, But for my part, I will risk no hurt to this thing. Of all the works of Sauron, the only fair. It is precious to me, though I buy it with great pain. This is what we talked about in, like, the first or second episode uh, with the Wereguild that mm-hmm. he was owed for the death of his father and brother, he feels that he earned the ring because... Tragedy? He lost his father and brother to get it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, That's not how that works, but... <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, so when Gandalf tries to convince Bilbo to leave the ring behind, Bilbo gets angry and he says, my own, my only, my precious. Mm-hmm. And this, like, him calling it mm-hmm. precious is what really pings Gandalf's oh shit censor. Spidey sense? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is why he goes to read a Sildor's journal because he's like, is so suspicious that Bilbo uses this specific word to yeah. talk about the ring.
0: Right, and this is before this is before Gandalf knew for sure that it is the One Ring. Exactly so correct. So he's like, I'm gonna check this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and this is not a question, but just like a, a note that I took about the scene where um, Gandalf confronts Bilbo about it, and he says, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks, mm-hmm. as he conjures a cheap trick. <laughs> just thought that was funny that was one of my favorite effects it's so good <laughs> it's really good uh, but he is a liar yeah he is a conjurer of we have
1: called Gandalf a shady bee before. <laughs> uh, in in book canon, Frodo never calls the ring precious, unless he's, like, talking to Gollum. <laughs> and he calls the ring the precious, just because... Oh, because
0: he's leveling with Gollum.
1: Exactly. He's like, oh, this is the precious. Wear on the precious, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you say Frodo never calls it his precious? There's one time, at least in the movie, that he does.
1: Yeah, in the book, I was unable to find him actually okay. talking to the ring and calling it his precious. Gotcha. As opposed to calling it the precious for someone else's benefit.
0: Yeah. Okay. Smart
1: man. Yeah, he's a good dude.
0: <sighs> yeah. So then Bilbo uh, leaves. He's like, I'm out leaving my house behind just gonna go to Rivendell keep my stuff safe from Sackville bagginss <laughs> gonna write my book um, how long of a hike is it from Bag End to Rivendell seems like a pretty
1: lengthy hike I <laughs> was so mad at you <laughs> for sending me this question because you're like in distance and time yes. how long is this and I'm like you want me to become like a full ass cartographer yeah. to answer this question This is just
0: like one of it's really a, um, a like one of those story problems in math class
1: Mm -hmm. is what I gave you,
0: so, you know, figure it out distance time (laughs) Um, If Bilbo leaves
1: Bag End at (laughs) one mile an hour hour. and a black rider leaves (laughs) Mordor (laughs) traveling at 500 miles an hour (laughs) Oh, it's so fast. It's pretty fast. <laughs> Fell beasts, wicked fast. Uh, this information comes from The Atlas of Middle Earth by Karen Wynne Fonstadt. She's a she's a actual cartographer who like put together a bunch of maps of Middle Earth, making the distances and stuff as consistent as she could. She has no relation to Tolkien, she just did this for Fonsies. Correct. Okay. Yeah, she's a big fan. Yeah. What's uh, that like? <laughs> I don't know, I feel normal amounts about things, so I don't know what being a fanatic is like. <laughs> Definitely not having a podcast about it. No. no, this is, uh, this just happens. <laughs> From Hobbiton to Bree is a hundred miles. Okay,
0: and Bree is the first, like, real
1: landmark that the, like, four hobbits end up at, so mm-hmm. that's... There's not a lot of note in between the Shire and Bree. And Bree. Yeah. yeah in the books that go through the old forest on the way there, mm-hmm. so that's like, that's right in between. <laughs>
0: but I'm trying to think of this in terms of like, I think it's ab- about a hundred miles between Milwaukee and Madison, and so I'm trying to think of it as like,
1: when have walking. I
0: driven that distance and what would it be like to walk to fucking
1: Madison? Yeah, that would be rough. <laughs> yeah, I knew a guy in college who walked from Milwaukee to Madison just to prove that he could. It took him like a full day and a half and he was walking the whole time. <gasps> and then he basically, Like he didn't sleep? Uh, he tried to sleep, but he was like just on the side of the road and he was oh. like, this sucks. So he just kept walking. <laughs> he basically had trench foot by the time he oh arrived God. in Madison.
0: <laughs> okay, so everybody in the Lord of the Rings
1: has trench foot. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all barefoot. Well, the, the, the boys are. Yeah, right. The little ones. Their feet are shoes, though. <laughs> Our feet shoes? <juiced. laughs> I do sometimes have nightmares about what hobbit toenails must look like. <laughs> you just got to be, like, chitinous hooves. Yikes. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 100, 100 miles to Bree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from Bree to Rivendell is another 350 miles, so a total of
0: 450, math. And...
1: Bilbo's just heading out on his own. Just walks there. It's insane. <laughs> Remind me, Bilbo has Sting, right? Does he give Sting to Frodo in Rivendell? Correct. So he must be... So at, he's at least armed. He's armed, yeah. And he can't turn invisible, but he is a hobbit, and they're very stealthy creatures. Yeah. And I'm sure that's much safer than him being with a group of... 12 rambunctious dwarves like he was the first time.
0: Well, here's a surprise question for you. Oh, boy. Um, So are there dangers along the road? Like, before all of the Sauron dark Mm -hmm. shit starts happening, what are, like, usual dangers that you might run into as a lone traveler between, like, you know, a 400-mile trek?
1: Well, there are, you know, amoral men who want to steal stuff from you. Just like in life. Yes. There are... (laughs) Um, wild animals like wolves. Okay. There are wargs, but they're a lot less common. Mm -hmm. And traveling orcs, which are also not that common. And... Trolls, like Bilbo fought, in the not fought, but faced in The Hobbit. Yeah. However, they're like the rangers that Aragorn is a part of. Their whole deal is kind of keeping Eriador, which is the area like in the west of Middle Earth, safe from these kinds of threats.
0: So they just kind of clean house. Exactly. Every once in a while. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm cool. Yeah, that's why Hobbiton... That's one of the reasons why the Shire is such like an idyllic place, is because the rangers are cleaning up shop in Eriador. And the hobbits don't even know that, do they? I'm not sure. They probably take that for granted. Yeah. <laughs> Classic hobbit behavior. Yeah. So Bilbo just leaves. <laughs> he goes to Rivendell. Yeah.
0: Okay, so the ring is now sitting on uh, the floor of uh, Bilbo's home. In the middle of the frigging doorway, because yeah. Bilbo's an animal. So... I found it interesting that Gandalf is able to resist the ring,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like if it was anybody else, I feel like they would have picked it up. Mm-hmm. You can tell that like he's tempted at least a little bit, like like when he goes to reach toward it and mm-hmm. then he sees the eye for a second and then he like doesn't. <gasps> but like other people might just be like weird vision, yeah, and then just pick it up anyway. <laughs> so what
1: makes Gandalf special in this way? Unclear. Um... Because he consistently resists it. Yeah, yeah. I I think it has to do with his sort of inherent goodness and wisdom that mm-hmm. he that he got from studying under Nana in in Valinor. Okay. So it's it's possible that the inner strength that he has, like what we talked about previously, is just where power in Middle Earth is like your strength of will. Mm-hmm. Um, gives him the ability to refuse the ring. It's also possible that if like someone offered it to him again, his willpower would fail and he would take the ring. Right. We just don't have enough information.
0: I'm also kind of thinking it in terms of, like, thinking of it, excuse me, in terms of uh, he is on the same, like, level of power, I suppose, as Sauron. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's not as tempted because it's not as, like, special of a power to Mm -hmm. him, who, like, Gandalf's a demigod. Yeah. It's like, yeah, great, more power. I'm already pretty (laughs) dope, though. True. (laughs) Versus, like, men who are like, that is much more
1: powerful than me and I want it. That is true. Having Sauron's power added to Gandalf's own would make him more powerful Mm -hmm. because Sauron's power wasn't stripped down like Gandalf's was, so he is kind of, like, at his full stature, whereas Gandalf... Could conceivably get more power by taking the ring. However, he knows that the ring would turn all of his good impulses. But in... through me, <laughs> please continue. I don't remember the rest of that quote. <laughs> in, no, in I would I would use the ring for good. But
0: through me, and something about a power unwieldy, etc., etc. Et yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he says. I'll have to work on that that part.
1: <laughs> in in book canon he says yet the way of the ring to my heart is by pity pity for weakness and the desire of strength to do good Mm. but he knows that the ring would turn him to wicked purposes yeah
0: so good information to have unfortunately other people don't know that
1: yeah well some of them do and they just think that they are strong enough that they could resist that saruman boromir (sighs) moment of silence (laughs) for both of our fallen comrades (laughs) That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Thanks so much for joining us. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those ratings really help people find the show. And I want to take the time to call out and thank someone who wrote a very nice review of us. Yeah, we got a very, very sweet five-star rating from Ratey McRaterface, (laughs) which I have to assume is the screen name they use all over the internet. It might be because they rate things. Interesting. I did think that it was Rady face at first, (laughs) which seemed unnecessarily harsh. Um, Their review reads, Perfectly nerdy. I loved reading Lord of the Rings, but let's be honest, I skimmed my way through large swaths of those books. The movies have, in many ways, replaced slash filled in my understanding of Tolkien's writing, and so speak, friend, and enter is perfect for me. Leah as the Tolkien expert and Audrey as the movie buff create a dynamic that is not only helpful and entertaining, but endlessly pleasant to listen to. Keep them coming, ladies. Uh uh, we will. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Radio Raider <laughs> If you have a Tolkien question you'd like us to discuss, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check us out at our Twitter, at SpeakFriendPod for official pod stuff. My personal Twitter is at Ask Istwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N. And Audrey's too cool for social media, but if you whistle through a blade of grass, she will hear you. We'll have a deep lore episode up next Tuesday for you mega-nerds, and after that, we'll discuss burning questions like How much time passes between Gandalf leaving to find answers and later returning with them? How does Gollum know that Bilbo comes from the Shire? And how are Mary, Pippin, Frodo, and Bilbo all related? Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turuguskin.
0: May your beard continue to grow.